you know, if you're drinking a beer in the street, first of all, nobody cares. Second of all, if somebody did care, they'd say, oh, can you please not do that? And you say, oh, okay, no problem. But they're not going to come up and assault you and, you know, with attack dog, you know, whatever. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Hey friends, glad to have you back here today at the OLOLP, Lions of Liberty podcast. If you can believe it, this is the 150th episode of this program. How exciting. I'm not going to make a whole hoopla. We're not going to spend a whole episode celebrating this semi-milestone, but 150, it's a cool number. So hey, you can find today's show notes, of course, at lionsofliberty.com slash 150. And before we get rolling with today's guest, I want to briefly mention our sponsors, starting with our friends at LibertyManiacs.com, your home for awesome liberty and satirical gear, t-shirts, mugs, bumper stickers, you name it, you can get it all for 10% off your entire order by using the discount code LIONSOFLIBERTY. And if you're tired of dealing with the bureaucratic quagmire that has become health insurance under the ACA, fret no more and check out an exciting alternative from our friends at Health Excellence Select. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a writer and investment consultant based out of San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, where he is the founder of the Borderless blog and online community, and he co-hosts the Borderless Podcast, both of which focus on providing practical information for those interested in traveling, investing, and living abroad. Mr. James Guzman, welcome to the Lions of Liberty Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. This is great. James, you're a pretty well-traveled guy, and I'm looking forward to sharing with our readers why you currently live outside the United States, why you run this website and podcast, Borderless, based around that very concept. Uh, you know, and you, you guys are often talking about traveling and living abroad in the context of liberty. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself first? How did you become an international man, so to speak? And also, how did you become a libertarian? You know, to start out with, I uh, ran out of high school. I joined the Navy. I was in the Navy for four years. I was part of Operation Iraqi Freedom, and uh, I was on board a ship. And uh, then after, you know, four years, I don't know, that, that really did not sit well with me, uh, you know, just with, with my personality and everything. I, I did not see that as some sort of a uh, lifetime choice, a career path. So anyways, I, I got out, and I started in uh, real estate. I was uh, with a friend of mine, and... and uh, I had bought a piece of real estate while I was in the Navy in Virginia Beach, and it had gone way up in value, so I, I doubled down, and I bought some other rental properties. And then, uh, at a young age, I uh, had my first disaster there with the uh, housing crisis, right? So I lost all my properties and my the business that I was working. All of a sudden, I had no more clients, and trying to look for solutions and figure out what had happened here, because, you know, before my, you know, economic uh, advice was, you know, kind of buy and just buy real estate and hold it and uh, listen to Jim Cramer on CNBC and get a, you know, and then you're going to be rich, right? <laughs> but, That's right. It's that simple. Right. And just watch TV and, and you'll be rich. But, you know, I started to ask questions when that happened. And uh, one person that I started to listen to a lot at that time was uh, Peter Schiff. You know, uh, I listened, I looked at some of his videos and uh, he kind of brought me into, uh, you know, this is the same time a lot of people got kind of brought into the whole Ron Paul uh called the levolution and um so then i got into that and uh, i decided you know what i'm I'm gonna i need to go study uh business so i used my gi bill i i said well if i'm gonna study business i'm gonna study international business if i'm gonna study international business i'll go internationally so i went to madrid spain and uh, i studied there 
And uh, funny enough, first day of school, the uh, head of economics there, uh, he start he writes on the board a uh, quote. I believe it was from Hayek. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I went up and started talking, and we became very good friends. I just kind of lucked out and had a economics teacher there who was also affiliated with the Mises Institute. So that was great, and we became friends. We started a Students for Liberty in Europe. Oh, cool. Yeah, Wolf Van Lauer. I had an economics club in college, and then that turned into Students for Liberty, and then I was always just kind of doing it for fun, so I just gave it to Wolf, and it has turned into this huge behemoth. But I believe we were the first ever uh, Students for Liberty in Europe. So anyways, then I went to uh, Mises Institute there in Auburn, and uh, then I, I worked for Euro-Pacific Bank in Barbados. Then I went to Acapulco, and I was uh, selling condos there and uh, writing for some different publications and uh, also managed a Condos, and, and now I uh, moved here to San Miguel de Inde, which is a much more kind of laid-back lifestyle, and now I have uh, my blog and podcast, which I've just been concentrating on my own. So so what inspired you to do that, to take your own experiences traveling abroad and, and realizing that you can really expand your own personal freedom and live a great life overseas? What inspired you to take that and found the Borderless Community and the podcast? Well, you know, I, I when I first heard about the, you know, flag theory and and stuff like this, I don't know if your audience is familiar with it, but kind of the idea that, you know, if the the best way to achieve liberty is by setting up different flags in different countries and in in that way you can actually lower the amount of government in your life. And I I think that that's true and when I first heard about that and also kind of the idea of traveling always uh, appealed to me. Uh, I was is what you call the you know third culture kid. I, I grew up around different cultures. My my father was Puerto Rican and my mother's from Wisconsin and um I had you know I was I was around different people. Those are indeed different cultures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So um you know I was, was kind of open to that idea and uh so yeah and and I still do. I think that that you know it's the best way if you really want a practical way that you can live a free life, you know, and not just lowering the amount of government in your life, but, you know, making money and being able to to live a higher standard of living with that money, you know, living in a place with a low cost of living and uh, just living in places that you enjoy living that has the freedoms that uh, that you like. So I, I still think it's a very good strategy. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, practical things that people need to know in order to do this. And so, you know, that's that's what I try to do with the, the Borderless blog, Borderless podcast is try to get out practical advice for people. You know, how do I do this? How do I make money in different countries? How do I get a residency in a different country, get a citizenship? Uh, you know, all these different kinds of questions. How do I, you know, invest in real estate in a different country? These are all things that you can do. Uh, it just takes, you know, good advice because there's lots of bad advice out there. James, I always focus on, on liberty and libertarian principles and how people can expand their, their personal liberty. But I mean, what are some general reasons that people, not even just libertarians per se, but anybody that might stumble upon this, maybe some maybe some fascists happen to listen to this show. And uh, what are some, <laughs> some you know, per- political persuasion aside is what I'm saying. What are some general reasons that people might want to consider people living in the United States or even elsewhere right now might want to consider looking around the world and searching out other locations to live and work in? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, my show is not uh, overtly libertarian at all. 
Um, although me and my, my co-hosts are both uh, definitely libertarians, we don't, you know, it's not front and center in, in our podcast. We don't talk a lot about it. And it's, uh, you know, it's not really necessary. It's not necessary for you to agree on, you know, everything politically to understand that, you know, living a life beyond borders, that living up to your true potential is what everybody wants to do just for, on a, on a, uh, a practical basis. I think, you know, even it, there are a lot of uh, leftists that would be, you know, uh, that are open to that kind of part of the digital nomad, you know, this, this uh, movement that's going on. It's just a, a product of technology and through people's own self-interest, they, they like the idea of being able to live whatever they like and whether they'd like to admit it or not, a lot of people like the idea of paying less in taxes, you know, while they're doing that. So, Very much so. And you recently participated in a debate with Carla Garricky of the Free State Project, sort of tackling this question. And you talked about it on a, on a recent podcast as well. well. We'll link to all this stuff in today's show notes. But uh, basically tackling this idea of should liberty lovers leave the United States and purely focusing that on sort of advancing the ideas of liberty. Now, Carla and other people will say, you know, we got to all move to New Hampshire. That's the way to do it. You don't want to stay here. You don't want to run away. You want to fight here in the United States for liberty, whereas you took the sort of other position where not not saying you can't do that, but sort of, well, look, there are other ways to do that, too. So can you just kind of lay out sort of your side of that? Why liberty lovers shouldn't just necessarily focus on, let's say, New Hampshire or, or just staying in the United States? To quote unquote fight for liberty. Well, you know, to me, it's it's hard for me to even uh, understand that. I think that that is is a kind of collectivist mentality to start with. That oh, we need to all get together and try to you know change the government. I mean, I, I don't see how anybody is gonna they're gonna get together and change the federal government of the United States. I just don't see any scenario where that would make an impact. And I I don't know. I, you know, I have a, a finite time on this earth and you know i'd like to live it actually enjoying myself and and living a life of freedom i mean i do where you know where, where i live now and where i go and visit i i have a pretty free life especially compared to the united states you know i don't have hardly any you know uh presence of the cops or or any you know other types of, of things like that uh, i you know i pay less in taxes and and i do what I want to now. This is not something that I'm thinking about, oh, maybe, you know, 10 years in the future if we do the exact right thing in some scenario that I don't even understand how it work. I mean, it, it's just such a a mess and such a circus. I mean, I look at this, you know, I think it's very obvious today, especially if you look at like the presidential elections. I know you guys, I've heard you uh, kind of talking about some stuff with the with the elections and, and uh, Rand Paul and, and stuff like that. Um but it just seems like such a circus. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun to look at and talk about kind of, you know, I don't know, like a UFC match or something. But <laughs> uh, I just don't see any scenario where it's anything that I want to get involved in where I, where I think anything positive can come out of it. So I just want to get as far away as that as possible. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of the way a lot of us here at Lions of Liberty sort of view that. We we do see it as sort of a circus, but it, it also provides an opportunity to discuss the ideas of liberty because so many people are singularly focused on elections, so it gives us a chance to say, hey, look what these clowns are talking about. This stuff is bad, and so we, we like to have fun and poke a lot of fun of it, but you know, anybody that sort of puts all their all their marbles on a presidential election or even like a Senate election, I mean, I think they're going to be sorely disappointed at the end of the day. I just think that if you really look at, you know, how societal changes usually come about, you know, it's normally kind of just a, the, the, you know, practical basis, especially when it comes to, to technology. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, us going into this information age or 
all the things that are available to us can change the way that we that society kind of structures itself. And I think that just showing people that you can have, you know, more freedom in your life and have a better standard of living by doing these things, uh, people are going to go for that. I don't think they necessarily need to read, you know, uh, Man, Economy and State to understand that, you know, they like uh, living on on the beach and uh, having a uh, a, a job that they can work whenever they want and pay less in taxes and, and uh, you know, just live relatively free. I think that no matter what uh, their political persuasion, they probably like that idea. So that, that I think that is, is something that really brings about uh, change. Yeah, and on that subject of, of living more free, I mean, one thing I've noticed traveling, I've done some traveling in Central America, South America, Asia, and one thing you mentioned before is the police. And there's one thing I notice in other countries is that the, the attitude of police is, is almost singularly unique in the United States where, or maybe it's the attitude of the citizenry towards the police. It kind of goes both ways. But, you know, if I see a cop behind me in the U.S., I'm, I'm nervous no matter what I'm doing. I mean, it just, even if I'm squeaky clean, which, of course, I always am. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you, you have that mentality because maybe it's just because we see so much, so many instances of police abuse, or maybe because we know police are always pulling people over for, for petty stuff. But when I travel abroad, it seems like a completely opposite scenario. I mean, the citizens aren't afraid of the police anywhere I've been in, in all these countries. I mean, even when you've got police on corners, they're smiling and, and they're, they're not a threatening presence. You actually do generally feel that they're there to protect you and not there to, to get after you. So I mean, why do you think that there's such that difference? I mean, I'm sure you've noticed a similar thing, uh, you know, traveling all over the world, but why do you think the attitude towards policing is, is so different? different i don't know how to say it but uh totalitarian ish here in the united states yeah yeah i i think that i don't think that people realize unless they leave how much of a, a police state it is you know i as i was growing up i used to you know i've never been a big one for the rules you know and and so i used to you know get getting the regular thing oh whatever you're drinking a beer on the street or something you know just i think i don't know how many what percentage of young people get arrested or get, you know, get in trouble with the, with the police. But I'm sure it's a huge amount in the United States because there's just so many different violations that you can make for something, you know, stupid. And then it drags on and you got to pay some amount and then you got to go to court and then you got to, you know. And uh, so I've kind of seen that and known that in the United States. And I'll tell you, it absolutely is different. I don't care what anybody says. It's different. Now, if you go to some place like Singapore or something, then that's also a good police state. But you know, I could go down a vast majority of the places. So I could say where I live now, where everybody says, uh, oh, it's so horrible, you know, in Mexico, in San Miguel de Allende. I could tell you right now, you do not get that. And I mean, you have to really, you know, steal something or assault somebody or something like that. And the police are going to get involved. Other than that, if, you know, uh, like I, the, the example I gave before, you know, if you're drinking a beer in the street, First of all, nobody cares. Second of all, if somebody did care, they'd say, oh, can you please not do that? And you say, oh, okay, no problem. But they're not going to come up and assault you and, you know, with attack dogs and all this, you know, whatever. Uh, it just, I'm telling you, it just doesn't happen. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's, it, you know, you're right. Even with the, you know, if, if they do have a strong uh, kind of a military presence, normally that is something that has to do with the drug war or, or something like that here in Latin America. And, um, they're not worried about just your standard tourists. They, they don't even look at you or address you, really. So, Right. I mean, I've even been in countries like in Guatemala where the military pulled our bus over and came on the bus and 
was looking at passports, but even then, they weren't looking for us. They didn't do anything to anybody. They were, like you said, likely looking for drug dealers or, or someone they suspected out there, which, you know, I might not like the drug war either, but if you're not involved in it, you're probably going to be okay uh, when it comes to this stuff in, in a lot of these countries. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it, on a lot of different laws. I mean, uh, you know, as far as uh, driving laws and, uh, you know, having registers and all this type, it's just not the same. You know, it's it's much more laid back. People aren't you're not going to, you know, li- like you said, whenever you look in the rearview mirror and you're uh, afraid about what this, you know, what, you know, what this guy might do. I mean, it, because, you know, it literally could, you know, cause you to go to jail or be assaulted or what, I mean, that's a pretty likely scenario sometimes when you have cops behind you because it just gets so crazy and I've seen it, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I just do not have that at all. And that's a huge relief. What are some of the most common objections you hear from people about this idea of moving abroad or, or, or even traveling? You know, what do people say when they say kind of James, I'd love to move abroad. This sounds great. But how, how do the people fill in that blank? Well, uh, I would say that definitely the number one thing is money. Uh, people want to make money or they don't want to make money. They need to make money, right? So they don't know how to make money in these other uh, countries. And, you know, that is something that uh, you need to think about, you know. I think that, like I was talking about with these technologies, that if libertarians really want to have more freedom in their life, what they need to do is find a way to work on the Internet. Not everybody can work on the internet, but a lot of people can now. You know, there's all kinds of different uh, jobs you can do. Pretty much any expertise that you have, you can use that to profit on the internet. You know, set up a website, set up a course, set up a membership site, or you know, uh, uh, freelancing or, or something like that. And what that's going to do is that's going to allow you to you know live as an entrepreneur, work when you want to work. Uh, you get uh, big tax advantages for that, and not only that, but you can move out, you know, and move where you want to vote with your feet. Okay. And go and, and choose a place that you, uh, prefer to live. And then you also get tax advantages for, for doing that. I think that making money is the number one problem that people have. And I think that it's very, uh, available for people if they would, if they would just, uh, look into it. Um, yeah, some of the other ones is, you know, language. Okay, people have to get past the language barrier. There are places that, you know, sometimes I think it's better for people if, if the language is a problem. They say, I don't know, Latin America, for instance. You know, there are some places that have more expats or, you know, have history of Americans coming that might be easier to kind of ease into if you're uh, worried about a language barrier. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's the, the, the biggest thing definitely is money. That's, that's the biggest problem for people. Yeah, and as far as language goes, I mean, there's probably about a maybe eight-year gap between the last time I took a Spanish lesson and the first time I really started seriously traveling around Central America. And and you would be surprised how quickly a lot of this stuff can come back to you because I found myself maybe not having deep philosophical conversations, but without much practice, I was able to get around Spanish-speaking countries with relative ease, just speaking my remedial Spanish combined with almost everywhere you go, a lot of people do speak at least some amount of English because there are so many English-speaking people traveling around the world. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that that's, you know, it's, it's fear, you know, that a lot of people put up, uh, you know, different reasons or they try to rationalize, uh, why it is. But, uh, I think that it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's fear. I think that once you go, uh, you know, I've been to plenty of countries where I don't speak the language and you can get around just fine. I mean, it's not a big deal really. And, 
you know, luckily people that are listening to this program, they speak English and uh, that is it just happens to be a language that you can get around the world and uh, without too much trouble, you know. Sure. I mean, I spent three weeks in Thailand and I don't speak a lick of Thai. So these things can often work out. Now, that's probably a unique case because it's such a touristed area, but it, do- it does seem to apply in almost everywhere you travel that even if you can't speak a language, there are ways that people will find to communicate with you because they're trying to provide businesses, whether they're taxi drivers or people that pick you up from the airport or whatever. These people all, all have found ways to communicate with travelers themselves. That's so right. it all tends to work itself out on this stuff. Another one I kind of hear a lot when I talk about traveling abroad, besides just the money and this seems like a silly objection to me, but people will say, well, yeah, but but I want to have a family and raise kids. And then I'm like, so you can only do that in the United States? I mean, there, <laughs> there seems to be this this idea that the rest of the world is this savage wasteland, this sort of post-apocalyptic third world wasteland that you just can't actually live a, a reasonable life in unless you just want to be in a, a whiskey drinking, free-willed, uh, you know, solo dude. But uh, that's not the case at all. I mean, there are obviously people having kids all over the planet and, and raising them just fine. So do you ever hear like any other weird objections like that that just don't even make sense to you? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, every once in a while, you know, if if you get somebody that's worried about the, uh, you know, the the world going to hell or, you know, the, the global economy collapsing or something like that, you know, they'd say, well, well, if I go there, then, uh, everybody's gonna, you know, I'm going to be the outsider and I'm going to be the first one that everybody comes after. Um, so I don't know. I I think that that's a, a, you know that's a kind of a scenario that there could be a lot of things that could happen and you know i don't I, it's hard for me to even yeah i mean we might get hit by an asteroid tomorrow too but yeah exactly <laughs> shouldn't I mean, affect know, our day-to-day you know. decisions yeah yeah i agree uh but yeah i mean about as far as like starting the family thing i mean it depends on what people are are looking for uh but there are lots of people and they've been doing this for years you know i i i guess you know maybe 50 years ago or so it was mostly military people that uh, you know would go to Japan and go to other places, and they would find uh, you know a wife over there. Because I mean, I, you know, uh, th- there's also uh, I think kind of a an antagonism between the sexes in the United States that you don't really get uh, in other countries. So if that is something that that uh, people are are uh, you know that, that they don't feel comfortable with, and they're looking for something you know maybe I don't know different or more traditional or something, then you know that would be uh probably be better to look for that outside of the of the United States and you know as far as uh uh you know it depends on how people want to raise their kids um i know here where i live there's several private schools that are very that are you know much probably one tenth of the price of a, of a private school in the United States and you can afford to hire a tutor you can uh, you know, there's all kinds of classes, art classes, and all kinds of stuff that people, and that's very open here. Everybody's uh, likes that idea uh, between mixing private school with tutors, with homeschooling, with you know different types of classes, and and uh, it's very kind of eclectic. And and uh, so, anyways, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of options to have a family outside of the United States as well. Uh, James, this kind of ties into an article you recently wrote on the Borderless blog, and we'll link to this, of course, in the show notes as well talking about, you know, Silicon Valley debt slavery. Is this the new American dream? And you're sort of looking at a a question posted on Quora 
breaking down, you know, what it's like making around 120 to 130 grand in the U.S. in Sunnyvale, California as a software engineer. It's just kind of one example of a case. So could you just kind of break that down really quickly for us and look at you know, how people might say, well, look, I got to stay here in the United States because I can I'm I can make a six figure salary. I'm a I'm a software engineer. I can make really good money here. So this is where I got to stay. But uh, can you sort of just relate your breakdown of that and relate it to maybe like the kind of expenses you might have in, say, San Miguel de Allende? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a general, uh, I'm sorry, I, I make generalities when I talk about this. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, that's not true. That's not always true. No, it's not. Okay. But I know so many people, almost everybody that I know that's still in the United States, kind of living how I was before 2008, are still up to their eyeballs in debt. And I just can't understand it. This is one of the reasons that I left the United States. And, you know, like I said, when I, when I had to, uh, when I went underwater on the, on the property there, And, uh, I, I tell you what, man, actually just getting rid of that debt, living in a place that you don't need to uh, always worry about all these bills, about all these types of things. It it is such a load off your mind. I mean, it it really changes your attitude. It changes your life for the better, for sure. And, and, um, yeah, I, I just don't see how, uh, this, this system of perpetual debt can, can persist. It, It still blows my mind. I mean, I, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but you know, I, again, I I don't know. I, I don't like to go too much talking about it because I, I haven't been you know back in the United States for a long time, and all I do is talk to my friends on the phone and stuff. But it just it seems to me like this this whole thing is being pushed on debt, and that's and it's a it's a bad psychological thing to have. You know, you got all these people with uh, you know, yeah, they got a nice car and they got a nice house and all this stuff, but. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how deep down how happy they really are and and uh, you know how how much time, you know, leisure time they have to explore the subjects they want to and do the things that they want to and um and how happy they really are. So I you know, it's uh it's something that I like to point out just because it's something definitely in my life that was a big uh, before and after and uh, I would like to, you know, show other people that there is another way. You know, I think that probably my life uh, where I'm uh, living now is maybe one-third at at, uh, most, one-third of what I was uh, living on when I was living in the United States. Uh, You know, the the cost of living is probably one-third. So, um, you know, and it's just much more laid back, and it takes a while to get used to that. But I I think that overall it's it's a... a positive thing, you know, and uh, yeah, I wrote that Silicon Valley debt slavery because, you know, that seems to be one of the few places in the United States where there's types of innovation and and uh, where some of the best and brightest go, you know, that's where the kind of the rock stars of the of the millennial and the X generation are going into these technology areas because that's where you can actually do stuff, you know, and I mean that you know, for example, like you can't really innovate so much in energy. You can't really innovate so much in, say, you know, airplanes and and all these different types of things. But you know, the the internet is still largely kind of wide open. It's not overregulated, and so people go there. And so you would think that you know, other than okay, obviously there's some huge billionaires that are coming out of this, but oh, that's a very small percentage. What what about the other people? What about uh, you know, just software engineers and stuff like that? You would think that. After ten years of um, you know uh, experience there, that you you know this would be a wonderful life and all you know and all this stuff and and I found a few examples you know I pointed out one in that article but there were many examples of people on that thread 
that uh, you know they were they'd finally gotten to the pinnacle of this uh, you know in, in this area, and they were just uh, running on a treadmill, you know, and uh, they were up you know with with their mortgage and they had no savings and uh, you know one medical accident, one thing that happened to them or their family and. They're done, you know. They're they're bankrupt. So um, I just I, I think that it, it's there's there's a better way, and it's becoming easier and, and easier for people. And that's what I try to help people with at the uh, the Borderless blog. What are some of the top countries for expats out there? Obviously, Mexico is is where you've chosen to settle down, so that that's probably one on your on your list. But what are some of the best countries that that Americans often flock to? Mexico is a is a good. Uh, you know, first place to go for a lot of people. It's a good kind of dip your toe in the water. It's not too far away. Uh, and there are places with lots of expats there and you can get around with not, with, uh, not knowing very much Spanish. Uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily kind of settled here. My parents are here now, so that's, uh, something, but, um, yeah, th- there are, there are definitely, uh, areas that more, uh, if, if you look at the trends of digital nomads or, uh, expats and stuff like that you can see where people are going a lot of people go to thailand you know indonesia um you know medellin colombia i've not gone there but a lot of people seem to be going there i've been to medellin and it's awesome i love it the weather's yeah. perfect the people are amazing and uh that, that's mm-hmm. that's one of the places that's been on on my personal list i've been building so. yeah I, I definitely need to go and i've been told that so that's probably maybe the next uh place that i'll be going uh berlin uh barcelona um, you know, there's all kinds of, of places and it seems to kind of change, uh, which I like that, you know, I like that, uh, when policies change, when, di- when the demographics change, then that's the whole idea is that we can also go, you know, that's what it's about, about voting with your feet. Right. So, you know, right now I, I, I like, uh, San Miguel de Allende, uh, because I know people here, I can get business done here. My parents are here now and, you know, I have a studio and, Oh, you know, it's okay uh, for now, but if, say that something happens, say that there's a policy change that I don't like or something like that. Well, there's nothing that's keeping me from just packing up my stuff and going somewhere where uh, that I'm treated better or that I enjoy better, you know? So, uh, yeah, for, for now, I think that those are some, kind of some, some good ones. Um, and we go over all these different ones. And, and another thing is that the where you live and then where you set up residency and then where you have a citizenship – these are all different questions, you know, so you don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, uh, live somewhere and then uh, get a citizenship there or get a residency there or have your business incorporated there. You want to think about all these different things strategically as to, you know, what uh, policies are there and, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, which what scenario is better for you to kind of structure it in that way. Uh, and um, it can it can change, and uh, that's one of the, the great things uh, about today is that you can be more mobile and uh, not be not be trapped. James, before I let you go, why don't you just give everybody the full roundup of how they can find your work at the Borderless Podcast, and uh, feel free to plug away at anything else you got going on. Sure, yeah, check out the the Borderless Podcasts on iTunes, and uh, you know it's also it's borderlessblog.com and borderlesspodcast.com. You can get on there, and uh, there if, once you get on there, if you uh, see the button uh, free instant access, that'll give you access to the. Uh, we have Facebook group. Uh, you're on there, Mark, and uh, you know uh, we're we're trying to grow the 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 base here. You also get I uh, you know some free eBooks and stuff like that, and I also have set up uh, what's called the Borderless Society where. Uh, it's a, a, a membership site, 
And there's a, a full course on how to do these different strategies, and that gets updated every month, and also a full forum of people all over the world, experts in different areas. And, uh, you know, keep up on, on all, this, uh, all, all this stuff going on, because I definitely think that, you know, this trend of being a digital nomad or, you know, uh, perpetual tourist, this type of thing, permanent tourist, um, this is not going anywhere. You know, this is growing, and I think that definitely with uh, libertarian-minded people – that they should get on this, you know, get because this is where everything's going, and this is where you're going to find more liberty in your life than you will anywhere else. James Guzman, thank you so much for joining me today on the Lions of Liberty podcast. I wish you the best of luck with everything you got going on with Borderless and uh, with your worldly travels, and I hope you can inspire some people to uh, to follow suit here today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on, and I uh, hope that we can uh, get together someday. Maybe you can come down here and, and check it out. Absolutely, man. James Guzman, it's been a pleasure. Take care, man. Take care. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with James Guzman. Be sure to check out the Borderless blog and the Borderless podcast, both valuable resources. I've got my own thoughts about world travels to share with you in just a moment in the last roar. But you know, there's one thing, a traveler, and I can tell you from experience that if you're traveling around, there's one thing you can never have enough of, and that is (laughs) t-shirts. You're always running out of t-shirts, always trying to buy new t-shirts. Well, you can load up on t-shirts by heading over to libertymaniacs.com. Check out the brand spanking new electoral dysfunction line. Let people know what you think about politics. That's right. I'm telling you to literally wear your political beliefs on your sleeve. It's a great way to make new friends when you're traveling. Great way to start new conversations. Great way to fill that backpack up for your first trip overseas. And hopefully this show might have inspired you to take on. So head over to LibertyManiacs.com, load up on some new tees, and use discount code LIONSOFLIBERTY, all one word at checkout, to get 10% off your entire order. And whether you're traveling abroad or just sitting pretty here at home, it's always important to have a plan for your health. Now I know the ACA, Obamacare, it has made dealing with health insurance even more of a nightmare than it was before. And if you're anything like me, I'm a freelancer. I always purchase my own insurance. Your premiums and your deductibles have skyrocketed since this stuff started taking effect. But there is hope, my friends. There is hope because our friends at Health Excellence Select are here. They have arrived to help you guys deal with all this stuff. And they're going to do so in a few ways. They're going to help you enroll in a health sharing plan where people voluntarily come together to share each other's medical costs. They're going to get you a personal health care assistance. They're going to give you 24-7 Skype access to doctors. They're going to do it all at a much cheaper cost than you're paying for your Obamacare insurance, most likely. There's only one way to find out, my friends. That's to head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health, or you can give my good friend Jeff Cannon a call at 440-283-6849. And guys, as I said, there are so many reasons to go abroad. We, we discussed many of them today. It doesn't mean necessarily everyone needs to move abroad. I mean, not everybody's going to be a James Guzman and, and be a world traveler and, and live outside the United States. A lot of people have a lot of good reasons that they want to stay here. Hey, I'm, I'm still here right now, but I've certainly pondered the thought of moving overseas, and it's certainly something I continue to ponder, and the Borderless blog has been a great resource, as well as the Borderless podcast, for helping do that. I cannot recommend these resources enough if you're thinking about moving abroad or just traveling in general. Uh, they're truly 
truly invaluable. And now, for myself, I mean, a lot of you might be intimidated by going to travel. You might say, you know, I don't know any other languages, and I've never traveled before. That's a big thing that holds a lot of people back. I've never done it before. Well, you know, we never walk before until we walk. You know, we never do something, well, until we do it, quite logically. Uh, but it's something I want to encourage people to do, because I didn't travel a whole lot growing up. I wasn't really encouraged to travel after college. You know, in a lot of other countries, in Europe, in Australia, uh, a lot of people are encouraged to basically, it's, they call it the gap year. They take a year between high school and college specifically just to travel the world, just to see what's out there. And, you know, a lot of people might say, well, you know, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to just go traveling the world. Well, I mean, it sounds like this glamorous thing that only the, the elite of the elites can do, but there are ways to travel very, very inexpensively. And I know what traveling's a lot cheaper than a year at a United States college, that's for sure. And I'm not saying people shouldn't go to college, but it's not the worst idea in the world to go check out the world a little bit. I mean, I spent a semester overseas in Manchester, England when I was in college, and that was an amazing experience just to even find out from people that speak the same language that have a similar culture in many ways, but just to find a different viewpoint and to get the ideas thinking that way, because you really are in a bubble here in the United States. Even on social media, all of our friends are kind of looking at the same things, talking about the same things. We can get very much trapped in bubble zone. It's very easy to do. And traveling overseas really does give you the opportunity to meet new people and to, more importantly, experience their different worldviews, experience where they're coming from. Now, we might think we have all the answers out there. We might think we have everything figured out philosophically. Me, personally, I don't think we can ever have everything figured out. I think we always need to be digging deeper and looking further at our own positions and searching more for the truth. But one way to search is by literally searching the world. Because meeting other people from totally different cultures that come at things from totally different political perspectives can really help you see, you know, not just see the world in a different way, but to understand the viewpoints of other people. And just because we disagree with other people doesn't mean they're bad people, doesn't mean they're terrible people. And I really think traveling, I mean, not to get all John Lennon on you guys, but if everyone went traveling the, the globe, I don't think we'd have so much fighting. I don't think we'd have so many wars. Because what you really realize is when you, you land in a new country and you see, oh my God, I'm just shocked. This is so different. This is so crazy. It's so weird and you're, you're disoriented at first and then you, know, you start to get more comfortable you start to communicate with people even if you don't speak their language you, you quickly realize there's a lot of ways to communicate with people even if you don't speak and understand every word they're saying uh, it's truly a growing experience that anybody should take and you know, I didn't really travel outside my semester abroad until my, my mid to late 20s when finally I just started getting the itch I started saying I, I know there's a world out there I didn't think I could afford to travel either I thought there, I just don't have the money you know I, I just started out after college. I was working low-paying jobs, barely pay my rent. I lived out here in Los Angeles. Where am I going to find the money to go traveling the globe? But when you do a little research, you realize, you know, if, unless you want to stay at five-star hotels everywhere you go, yeah, if you want to do that, you need a lot of money. But you can travel very, very inexpensively. And uh, if anyone wants more advice on that, feel free to hit me up, Mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. You can also ask us questions in our private group on Facebook, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just search for that in your little Facebook search bar. We're also going to link to it, of course, in the show notes for today's show, lionsofliberty.com slash 150. We're also linked to everything we discussed in the show today, including, of course, the Borderless blog, the Borderless podcast, and all the articles we discussed as well. Of course, join us on social media in so many ways. In addition to our private group, you can follow our main Facebook page, facebook.com slash lionsofliberty. Follow us over on the Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. And here, here's the part where I beg and plead, if you enjoy this show, please do share it with your friends and family. You can share it on your social media. One tweet can read thousands of people. That's how we're going to grow this thing. I don't have a massive marketing budget. 
All I've got are loyal fans out there that tell people about the show, that spread it through word of mouth, that tell people about all the ways they can hear this show, which of course include right here at lionsofliberty.com. Every single Monday and Thursday, you can find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher Radio. You can hear us on the weekends, 6 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday and Sunday at libertytalk.fm and throughout the week on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, I would ask you to also stop by, take a minute to give us a five-star rating. Hopefully it's five stars. I don't want you wasting your time with less than five-star podcasts, guys. We're a five-star podcast, if my if you're a listener of mine, as far as I'm concerned. So drop over, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a great review. If you have a bad review, don't leave it. I don't want you to do that. <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for getting us here to 150 episodes. I'm not going to say it's been easy. I started off having no idea how to podcast, and now I have just barely an idea how to podcast because this is not my main gig. This is not what I do. I've done it with the help of so many great people, my amazing editor, John Dobbert, all my Lions of Liberty cohorts, Brian McWilliams, John Odermatt, uh, some of the guys that have supported us along the way, Howie Snowden. Of course, our legal counsel, one Rico, all these guys have helped and contributed to grow this show. And, and you can be a part of that as well by sharing this thing with your friends, by subscribing, by telling the world all about the Lions of Liberty podcast. And you can tell the world because you're hopefully going to be inspired by today's show to literally go around traveling the globe. And hopefully maybe I'll get you some Lions of Liberty business cards. You can hand them out to all the new friends you make in your travels. Until next time, folks, live long and live free. Editing and mastering by Johnny Daubert. Give your show the Daubert Effect. Johnny53 at gmail.com. That's Johnny, the number five, the number three, at gmail.com.